0: in Acts chapter 22 today, beginning in verse 1. Last week we were reading as Paul was in Roman custody. He was taken into custody because the Jews came against him. They uh, started beating him up. They were upset that Paul would teach something different than what they believed. You see, Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He had credibility. And when he was teaching something that was different than what they believed, they felt that it was offensive. It was an attack on their religion, on their beliefs. And so he wanted to um, speak the truth. He wanted to share the truth with the Jews, but they were not in any mood to hear what he had to say. So he had to be saved by the commander of the guard there at the Antonio Fortress, which is adjacent to the Temple Mount. And he came in with a bunch of troops and saved Paul from being beat to death. And then he was carried away. And then Paul asked the commander, can I speak to the crowd? And the commander gave him permission to speak to this crowd, this riotous crowd that had just gathered to kill him. Now he wants to speak to them. If you have a riotous crowd chasing you, beating you, and all of a sudden you feel like, hey, you know what? I'd like to share the gospel with them. uh, That would just seem a little insane But the truth of the matter is, that's what they needed to hear, and that's Paul's whole purpose in life, was to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He wanted the Jews to be saved. In Romans, it says that he would even give up his own life and damn his own life so that his people would be saved. And so that was just the heart that he had for the Jewish people. So before we start there, today's message is titled, A Model Testimony. And we're going to go back one verse to chapter 21 in verse 40, where we read, So when he had given him permission, the commander gave permission. Paul permission to speak. Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. So here's this crowd gathered together and he motioned to them to the people. And the people were seeing him motion. I don't know. Personally, I think that because Paul was a Pharisee, because he was a leader, because he already knew how to address a Jewish crowd, the motion. May have been something that they were used to seeing in um, the synagogue when the leader of the synagogue was getting up there to speak and they would make a motion. Oh, he's going to speak, shut up. And, you know, I don't have a motion like that. I have a microphone. (laughs) He didn't have a microphone. So he had to have a motion instead, and that got everyone's attention. But I also believe it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to the hearts of the people to calm down and listen to what Paul had to say. So he motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, and then we now continue in verse 1 of chapter 22, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. He's not defending against what they're accusing him of. You see, he was accused of four different things. Of teaching against the people. Of teaching against the law. Of teaching against the temple. And then for defiling the temple by bringing a Gentile into the temple. That's what he was accused of by the Asian Jewish leaders that had come into Jerusalem for this ceremony, this celebration that they're having for Pentecost. You see, they come for these different holidays and the town swells, the city swells with all of these people from all over the place. Many of them Uh, are from different cities that don't even know what's going on as far as Paul is concerned. They're just Jewish worshipers coming into Jerusalem. Coming into Jerusalem was like, oh, the greatest thing. It's like going to Rockefeller Center for New for Christmas, you know? Oh, the ice rink, the the Christmas tree and all of that, you know, and and having that great amount or Times Square for New Year's Day. You know, that that's like what they were doing. But they were doing it for the Lord. They were coming together at the temple for the Lord. We have to remember the mindset of the people from back then. You see, there were two groups of Jews that were the leaders that were part of the Sanhedrin, and that were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees were the majority. They had about 75% of this Sanhedrin, of this group of 70 elders. The Pharisees had about 25%. But the Sanhedrin didn't have good favor with the people. The Sanhedrin didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in the interaction with God and humans. They believed that God was in heaven and that humans just lived on earth and and did the best they could. And they didn't believe in life after death. So, here was a group of people that pretty much lived like the world lives right now. They live for themselves. This is all they have. When they die here, there's nothing after. That's a very hopeless existence. That's a very sad existence. Can you imagine uh, why so many people have mental illness and stuff like that? Because they, they are depressed because they don't have any hope beyond what we Know to be true ourselves. As believers, as Christians, we know that there is life after death. We know that there is a God who interacts with us, who loves us, because he dwells within us. And so we have a hope, and that's what the Pharisees were like. They believed that. Here's the problem. All of them rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And so they didn't believe who Jesus was. Paul was not getting up there to defend things that he didn't do anyway. Jesus didn't give a defense when he went before Pilate. He didn't make a defense for himself. But what Paul was doing, the defense, the word defense is the word apologia. And what that means is he is giving a reason for what he believes. An apologetic. We have apologetics in Christianity. But we have apologetics. It's not just one thing. We have prophetic apologetics. We have salvation apologetics. Uh, we have all different types of apologetics. Doctrinal apologetics. We, we have many different kinds. And so he was going to present the reason he believes what he believes And why he's sharing it with them. So in verse 2 it says. And when they heard that he spoke to them. In the Hebrew language. They kept all the more silent. Which I think is a little unusual. They said uh, back in verse 40. When it says. And when there was a great silence. He spoke to them. And now they're saying. They were even more silent. How can you be silent and be even more silent? I don't know. But. That's what, that's what it says. So I'm reading it to you. That's, he w- they were even more silent because he was speaking to them in their language. Something they didn't expect, obviously, that he was going to speak to them in their language. And then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. See, Being from Tarsus and Cilicia, he was not a um, Jerusalem Jew. One of these leaders that were born and raised in Jerusalem, but neither were most of the people that were there because they were all there for the celebration, for the Pentecost celebration. So uh, they were all here in that city. And they were hearing him speak about being from there. But then it says, I was raised by Gamaliel. Gamaliel is like Billy Graham. Everyone knows. Every Christian knows. It doesn't matter what your denomination, what you believe in Christianity. Billy Graham, everyone knows. And everyone knows what Billy Graham's message was. He didn't talk about prophecy. He didn't talk about doctrine and theology. He talked about salvation. Everyone needs to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Billy Graham kept it very, very simple. He shared in such a way that anyone could understand. That's because the gospel is for everyone. And he wanted to reach as many people as he possibly could. Paul was the same way. Paul was trying to reach everyone with this gospel. And so, but he's teaching these Jews. He wants to find that connection. You see, when he started out in verse one, he said, brethren and fathers. He was talking to them as if they were related. You see, when you call a Christian brethren, we're talking about Brothers and sisters in Christ, we, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we are believers together. We're brethren in Jesus Christ. Excuse me, in Jesus Christ. We're brethren. We're family in Jesus Christ. Uh, but he is talking to Jews now. There's a little difference because he is not really brethren as far as religious belief with the Jews, but he is because he's a Jew. He's a full-fledged Jew. He was risen. He came up through the ranks as a Jew. He was what he calls a Hebrew of Hebrews. He has all of the paperwork stating who he was as a Jew. So when he was talking to them, he was talking as one of them, as he's addressing them. And he said that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. They knew who Gamaliel was. Today, Gamaliel is still revered in the Jewish faith. And he was taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you are today. He's trying to make another hook here. I see that you are zealous. You know how I know you're zealous? You're about to kill me. You're so zealous for what you believe you wanted me to die because you thought that I did something wrong, that I was a criminal. And you wanted to kill me because you're so zealous for this law. And I was the same way as you are today. And then in verse 4 he says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women as also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there, to Jerusalem to be punished. So now he's spelling it all out. Look, I was going to kill these people. I was. I was arresting them, killing them, putting them to death, putting them in prison. And I wasn't satisfied with just doing it here in Jerusalem. I was going up to Damascus to the ones that ran away when they heard about the persecution going on. This is what's known today as the diaspora All of the Jews that fled from Jerusalem at that time and they went all over the world. They're still all over the world today. Many of them are returning to Jerusalem now. They're returning to Israel now and making Israel their home. Generations, thousands of years being separated from their home in Jerusalem and they're returning to Jerusalem. This is an amazing thing. And they're being welcomed. Now, they're not allowed to bring a bunch of baggage when they come in. They're only allowed to bring two bags Each, when they come back into Israel, and then people in Israel welcome them in and then provide housing for them, provide food, provide everything they need as families to get on their feet. It's an amazing thing what they're doing, but it's biblical. It says at the end times, that's what's going to happen. And that they were going to come in on the wings of the Gentiles. And there are many Gentile organizations that are actually flying Jews back into their country so that they can be repatriated. This has been going on since 1948, but it's happening ever more today. It's happening on a regular basis as they return to their country. And so he was going up there to punish those that had fled. They weren't Jews that fled. They were, um, and Jewish in in, uh, the fact that they were born Jews, but they were Christians. They were being persecuted. They were specifically being persecuted by Paul. And so they ran away. And now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. Folks, when it's noon in Arizona and there's a great light, it's called the sun. <laughs> and it's cooking you. And, and, and it's really bright. You don't go looking up at the sun. But he says that at noon, and, and see, um, Israel is much like Arizona uh, much of the, the climate, the territory is much like. So when you go to Israel right now, it's pretty much like what we're experiencing here. The weather we're experiencing here in Arizona, it's very similar there in Israel this time of year. And so here, he's out there going to Damascus and this bright light, so bright, it outshines um, the sun. It's at noon, and it shines around him, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he fell to the ground. It was, was the the light so bright that it knocked him to the ground? I I think mostly for fear at that point, he was knocked to the ground, and then he heard the voice, Saul. It... The voice knew his name. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so I answered, Who are you, Lord? You see, he knew. He knew it was the Lord. Because they didn't have halogen lights back then. They didn't have LEDs. They didn't have artificial lights. Nobody can produce that kind of light. And then a voice speaking to him. And I'm sure that the voice wasn't just speaking to his ears. He was speaking to his soul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. Oof. You see... He was killing everyone that believed in Jesus. And his enemy is now speaking to him in a blinding light. He is now hearing from him. In another account, it says that Jesus told him it's hard to kick against the goads. And that is a a, a reference to when an ox is pulling a plow and the ox doesn't want to pull anymore. Sometimes they would kick the plow behind them. So what they would do is put spikes up in the plow. So when the ox would kick, it would hurt the ox and the ox would say, okay, I won't do that anymore. And so Jesus used that reference, it's hard to kick against the goads. Yeah, you're trying to kick against me, you're going to find that I'm not easily kicked. He's Jesus of Nazareth, who who you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Apparent contradiction. Back in Acts chapter 9, verse 7, it says, they heard the voice, uh, but they did not see where it was coming from. And here it says, they didn't hear the voice. The word that was used for heard is the same word used for understand. And so they didn't understand the voice. And so you'll read some translations that say understand and some translations that say heard. And basically it's our language meets their language and who wins. And generally we know that it was the understanding that they didn't hear. They, they didn't understand what was being said. Uh, but they were there. They they heard something. And it says, uh, excuse me, oh, you know what happened? If you move your Bible and the wind changes the page, you're all lost. So, and... It says, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, And those who were with me indeed saw the light. They were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. And so I said, what shall I do, Lord? See, he already knew there was something that he had to do. And he's asking him, what shall I do? And the Lord said to me, arise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. So now he has his marching papers, he has his orders, go into Damascus and wait there, and you're going to be told what you have to do. Wouldn't you love to hear from the Lord? And he says, go do this. Quite often, we don't want that. We want the whole story. We want the Paul Harvey version. We want the rest of the story. We want it all from beginning to end so we can prepare for whatever it is. Folks, if you knew what was coming a year from now, two years, some of you wouldn't be able to handle that. I know in my own life, my wife's life, the struggles that we've gone through over the years, if we knew about those struggles before they came into our lives, we would have been overcome by them. We would have tried to change what the event was going to happen. We would try to change it so that it wouldn't affect us the way that it did. And that's how come we don't hear the whole story from beginning to end. We get Little bits of what's next. Here's what's next, and here's what you're going to do next, and here's the next step that you're going to do. And when we have it that way, we can endure because we trust Jesus when He walks us through those steps together. If we misstep, He waits for us to get back up again. Have you ever had a trial where? you were going through it and it, it just seemed to be too much and you misstepped, you walked away from the Lord or you just ignored everything that the Lord was doing and you just said, oh, I'm going to wait for this to end. I'll wait. And then there are many famous people in the Bible you know, who ran away because they thought, you know, oh, um, this is it. This is the end of it. Oh, God, you don't know what's happening in my life. Oh, yeah, he was busy over in Africa, and he didn't know what was happening over here in the United States. He knows. He knows everything. He knows all the details about your life. I don't want to freak you out. He knows. He knows what your breath smells like in the morning. He knows what your hair looks like. He knows. And he still loves you just the same. He knows the bad thoughts that go through your mind when someone tries to mess with you. Someone tries to hurt the one you love. He knows the things that bother us. He knows. He knows that Paul was the murderer. He knows the the hate Paul had in his heart for Christians. And yet, he called him, stops him on the road to Damascus. He wasn't doing this as punishment to Paul. You know what would have been punishment? Zap. That would have been punishment, right? See, if I were God, there'd be a lot of zapping going on. Right? Right? And, and so he knew Paul. He knew his heart. You see, here's the thing that we don't get to see. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows where we're going to be in a year from now, five years from now. He knows where we're going to be for eternity. And we just have to trust him. And when we trust him, things become a lot easier. We can find peace in this world. Regardless of what's going on in the world right now, we can have peace But it doesn't seem like the world has peace right now. If you watch the news, it's like there's no peace. Because of all of the things that are going on in the world, people are so messed up. Well, they were messed up before. We just have the news to be there when they mess up. So that they can tell us all what happened and and every bad thing that's going on. What they don't really focus on is the good stuff that's going on. It's going on in a life of believers. And so here, Paul, <laughs> he was a bad dude, but God is going to do good things through him and he's going to know all things which are appointed for you to do. That's what Jesus said that he's going to tell him. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. You see, God already had a plan. He already had this guy Ananias that he was going to send to speak to Paul. And Ananias, it doesn't really mention it there, but Ananias was like when, when the Lord spoke to Ananias, I want you to go and I want you to speak to Saul. Ananias was like, huh? Saul? He's the one killing all of the Christians. And now you want me to go and speak to him and yeah, because I'm going to show him all the things that he has to suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias was like, "Oh, he's going to suffer?" Okay. Now I'll go and no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that, but I would have. And and Ananias went and said, "Brother Saul." He recognized that God Had called Saul and is now indoctrinating him into the family of Christianity. He is now a child of God and he is Ananias' brother in the Lord. Remember that Saul, when he went into Damascus, he was blind. He was led to this room in Damascus in this place, and while he was there, he didn't eat for three days. He didn't drink for three days. He just sat there blind for three days. Ananias didn't show up for three days. It's kind of like Lazarus in the tomb. Being completely cut off from the world. But three days, I'm sure, he wasn't sitting there wondering how his 401k was doing. I'm sure he wasn't concerned about the things of the world. He was waiting to hear from the Lord because the Lord said, I'm going to tell you what's coming. So he was waiting there to hear from the Lord. Sometimes we have a problem with that. In our microwave world, we have a problem with waiting on the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And when we hear that, we think of waiting like Paul is waiting there, doing nothing. But we are also called to wait on the Lord, except it's a different kind of waiting. We serve while we wait we still do what the Lord has called us to do and we serve while we wait for the Lord to tell us to do what's next. It's just the fact that we, we want the whole plan now. Show me the whole plan. Can you imagine building a house one room at a time? Here's the drawing for this room. Now, now you're going to build this. And all right, after you're done with that, I'll give you the next. It, you couldn't build a home that way, right? But... That's the way we live our lives in Christ because he's not going to give us the whole plan. We wouldn't be able to handle it. And Paul is going to be given the whole plan and he's going to have to deal with this. So then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so, he gets his first instruction from Ananias three days later. Uh, He's told that he's going to hear from the Lord that he's going to see the Lord and that he's going to know what to do after that. I, I know that hearing from the Lord audibly would be amazing, but actually seeing him? Uh, well, we know that that actually did happen and that he spent time with the Lord out in the wilderness that he was mentored by Jesus himself in the wilderness. And so here, um, he's getting this information ahead of time. Wouldn't you like to know the will of God and see the will of God and hear from him? Well, he speaks to us in a different way. He didn't, we didn't have the New Testament in Paul's days. He was busy writing it. And so now that we have the New Testament, we can hear from the Lord. See, our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we hear in a different way. We may not hear audibly, but we hear with our hearts because we read the word and it speaks to our hearts and that's why it's imperative for us to read the word. Even if you don't understand what you are reading that day, read it. And let the Lord speak to you through the Holy Spirit. He will reveal what it means. You can buy a commentary and hear from the commentary of what the the book says, but the commentary is written by a person that is only going to give you a per uh, you know, individual perspective. I like hearing from many different people. I even like hearing from people that tell me a scripture. Hey, this really spoke to me today. And I read this. And, you know, this is what the Lord spoke to me uh, through this today. I just love hearing that because that's how the Lord speaks to each of us. Through his word. And he said that Paul was going to be his witness to all men. To all men. And women. Men, meaning mankind. And he is going to be his witness. Testimony is what that means. We are the witnesses of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Today, we are called with the same calling that Paul was called. We are called... To live our lives in such a way that we are testimony, we have a testimony that we share with the world by how we live. And sometimes it's a good testimony, sometimes not so good. You know, sometimes people may get, you you go out Black Friday shopping, you're setting yourself up, (laughs) you you know, Uh, but you can go out Black Friday shopping and be a light. To those around you. It's a choice that we make. When I go on the freeway and I'm headed to somewhere. It's a choice that I make. Whether I'm going to be happy about the drive. Or whether I'm going to be aggravated. Because no one else knows how to drive except me. <laughs> have, have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about. You see... Uh, we tend to think that we have a better understanding of things than the other people around us. But when we're talking about being a witness, we put others before ourselves. It's the acrostic for joy. Jesus, others, and yourself. And, you know, when we think of things that way, it's, it's hard. Because we always want to put yourself first. But that doesn't spell joy. That spells yuja. You know, something like that. We don't want any yuja. So now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. I was in a trance and saw him, Jesus, saying to me, he saw him. And he said to him, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And so Paul now gives an account of what took place. I was in the temple. Jesus shows up and says, get out of here. They're going to kill you. Get away from here. And Paul says, hold on, Jesus, let me fill you in. (laughs) Really? That's what he was saying. He's saying, hang on, you know, they know that I was, you know, out there murdering the Christians and stuff like that. They know I was, so I'm, I'm going to be able to explain this to And Jesus said, no, get out of here because I am going to send you to the Gentiles. There is nothing that a Jew wants to hear less then I'm sending you to the Gentiles. You know, you know, going to Samaria was bad enough. You know, the, the, the Jews, the religious Jews would avoid Samaria. They would take a circuitous route around Samaria to get to Galilee and it would take an extra day just because they didn't want to go through Samaria. And to have to confront Samar- Samaritans. Oh, you know, these samaritans they're crazy. And they're, they're wrong about everything. And, and so that is the attitude of the Jews back then. But Paul had a heart for the Jews. He wanted to be. And he thought, hey, look, they have to accept me. I'm a Jewish leader. They have to. Don't reject Who Jesus sends you to talk to. It may be your neighbor that you know. Is into some evil things. They may be. Having an affair on their wife. They may be beating their kids. They may be. Drug addicts. If the Lord sends you to speak to them. Go. And. Share whatever God has for you to share. Here's the problem. What what do I have to share? I'm not a pastor. I haven't gone to Bible college. I don't have seminary training. How do I share? Well, Paul had all of those things, and he still got it wrong. And there are many people in seminary, in Bible colleges, all over the country that have it wrong today. They go out there and they lead churches and they run them as a business. You know, how many people can we get in? How much money can we raise? And it has nothing to do with the move of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with the ordination from God. I wasn't ordained by Calvary. Yes, I was. I was ordained by Calvary Chapel, but it was after they recognized my ordination from God. They recognized that I had a calling from God to teach. And then I was ordained as a pastor. And so we, anyone, can be ordained by God to do whatever God's will is. We all are. You don't need paperwork to prove that. You already have it. It's called the Bible. We are all ordained to share the word of God with those around us. And to live it so that they can see it without us even having to share one word. So, Paul is going to be going to the Gentiles. The Jews don't like that, first of all. Second of all, they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Do you know that the whole time he was talking about Jesus here, they still kept silent? They didn't get upset. They didn't start arguing, hold on, Jesus isn't the Messiah. We put him to death. If he was the Messiah, he would still be alive. Because they didn't even read, well they did, they read Isaiah 55. They knew what it said, they didn't believe it in their heart. If they believed it, if they believe Isaiah 53, if they believed it, they would know. He's going to come, he's going to suffer He's going to be put to death and he's going to rise again. They didn't believe any of it. Verse 22, and they listened to him until this word, the Gentiles, and they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. He is not fit to live. And that's what set them off. It had nothing to do with his Conversion to Christianity. What it had to do with was the fact that he said that God sent him to preach to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles and dogs were at the same level. And so there was no reason for a Jew to even address a Gentile unless they were becoming a proselyte, they were going to become a Jew. And then, okay, then it was acceptable. Oh yeah, they had the Gentile quarters where they can come and they can hear what was being taught and maybe they would learn. But the Jews were called to be a light to the Gentiles and they missed that completely. So here, it was the testimony of a Pharisee for Jesus Christ, and that still was not enough for this crowd. They're calling for his death once again. I'm sure this was one of the moments where Paul was in a lot of anguish because he wasn't wasn't being accepted. His word wasn't being, he was being rejected because the Jews were rejecting him. This is one of those times where the Jews had an opportunity to believe the truth, to hear the truth, and to repent. This is one of those times where they don't listen, kind of like Pharaoh, where he had ten times to hear God say, I'm going to do this if you don't repent, if you don't let my people go, this is what's coming, and he hardened his heart. That's what it says. And it says, God hardened his heart. Well, this is one of those times where the Jews made a decision not to believe what they were being taught by one of their own, by someone who went through it personally, went through this conversion to Christianity when he was fully against it because of God speaking to him and shining a light on him. And... They didn't listen to him. And so their heart was a little more hardened. Many people reject true Christianity. Now, why do I say the word true? Because there are many forms of Christianity in the world today. There are people that call themselves Christians that don't believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in a person named Jesus They believe in the idea and the concept of Jesus, but they don't believe in Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And so that's what the problem is for even the Jews then. They couldn't believe in who Jesus is, the truth of who Jesus is. Paul presented a model testimony. He told them everything they needed to hear in their relationship with God and How it's possible through Jesus Christ. That's all the people need to know today. The people don't need to know theology. They don't need to know doctrine. They need to know Jesus. And we have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Your testimony is just as powerful as Paul's testimony in the heart of the person that God leads you to speak to whoever that person is, whenever that happens, God will set that up and all you have to do is speak. And you present your testimony. It may not be as glamorous. You may not have had a light shine down on you from, not many of us have. I haven't. Didn't have, I have a light shining on me right now, but that's artificial. When God shined the light on my heart, I knew it. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I cannot describe to a person what that's like. I can only describe to them what I felt at that time. And I don't mean just feelings, you know, tingling. I'm talking about the fact that when Jesus spoke to me, it was as if he sat on the foot of my bed and read the whole Bible to me. I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that everything that I was told about Jesus was true, And that that's what I was missing in my life. And so we have the same testimony in that all of us have a relationship. Here's the problem. is that many people don't realize that Jesus is there every day of the week in your life. And when we start thinking about it that way, when we start considering Jesus every day in everything that we do, uh, then it just starts coming out of us naturally. The, The thoughts that are in our head come out of us naturally and we share the good news. Hey, you know what Jesus shared with me yesterday? I was reading and he shared this with me and it was really powerful and I was able to see something fresh that I didn't see before And when you do that, that person that God brings along, there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of people there that day when Paul spoke. It doesn't mean they all became believers. As a matter of fact, they didn't. They were calling for him to be killed. Just because you share with someone doesn't mean they're automatically going to be saved. You may be there to plant the seed, or to water the seed that someone else plants. But nevertheless, you are gardeners. And I hope you're not a gardener like me because I kill anything that's green and trying to grow in the desert here. I, I, I'm not very good at that type of gardening. But you just apply the water and let God do the harvest. When He does it, it's fruitful. It grows, it multiplies. That's what we're called to do. Hey, this season is the best season ever to be able to share that good news, especially as it gets darker in the world, the light shines all the brighter. Amen?